Hi. Ciao. This is Giuseppe Camuncoli, a.k.a. Camo from Italy, and you're listening to The Amazing Spider Talk. Welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. I am your co-host, Mark Giannacchio, from the Chasing Amazing blog. And if you're confused by the fact that I am opening the show and not our other fearless co-host, Dan Gavazdan, it's because I am flying solo today for a very special episode of Amazing Spider Talk and our amazing friends. In this episode, uh, I will be speaking to Spider-Man artist Giuseppe Comancoli, or Camo. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have met Camo at New York Comic Con in early October, and after a little bit of back and forth, we, we finally figured out a time to talk. Uh, he was actually on the road at a uh, comic event in Argentina. Uh, Camo is originally from Italy and uh, still lives there. So uh, we dealt with some time zone differences, some, some other uh, logistical challenges, but we're here, and it's a great interview, and we talk about uh, Camo's origins and getting into the industry and his first Spider-Man stories, and of course his current work uh, with Superior Spider-Man and, and Spider-Verse. So get yourselves ready, and, and check in and listen to this great interview with Giuseppe Comancoli. his amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. Hey, this is Mark Giannacchio uh, with the Amazing Spider Talk, and uh, we got a very special guest today. We have uh, Giuseppe Comancoli, who uh, was gracious uh, enough to uh, let us talk to him on the road. I know he's he's traveling. I believe you're in Argentina right now, right, Giuseppe? Yeah, yeah, right. I'm here in Buenos Aires, and I will be heading back home tomorrow. Actually, excellent, excellent. Well, well, uh, you know, for those of you who 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 don't know, Giuseppe, of course, has been uh, an artist on uh, various Spider-Man series for for quite a while now. I know he he's uh, really started as part of the regular rotation with Amazing Spider-Man with Dan Slott in 2011. Uh, and then became part of the uh, Superior Spider-Man rotation, and uh, he's he's uh, done a couple of issues of the rebooted Amazing Spider-Man, and is going to be part of the uh, Great Spider-Verse series that uh, we're in the midst of. So again, Giuseppe, thank you so much for for taking your time out. Oh, well, you're more than welcome, Mark. Thank you for calling me. Oh, it's a pleasure. My pleasure too. <laughs> um, I, I did want to ask you. I mean, now, now, Giuseppe, you you grew up overseas, right, in Italy. Yeah, yeah, I live. I still live in Italy. Grew up and lived in Italy for all my life. So, so, how did you become interested in comic books living overseas? And like, what were some of the first superhero books that you read? I mean, did you read the the Marvel and DC characters that we're all familiar with here in the states, or did you have uh, your own your own multiverse hero, so to speak? <laughs> <laughs> no, I grew up reading mostly Marvel comics because uh, I was born in '75, and like. 
around the time when I was about, you know, able to read, I was already familiar with comics because my father used to collect uh, an Italian comic book, a Western comic called Tex, which is pretty popular over here in Italy. And uh, I was already familiar with that, but it's black and white comics, really good one, like long tradition. But uh, And then I discovered superheroes. And uh, in the early 80s in Italy, we only had like the end of, uh, of, the, um, of the, the golden age of comics of, uh, of, uh, of this publisher called Editoriale Corno, who was the first one in the 70s to introduce the Marvel Universe in, uh, in Italy. And uh, the publishing house went down, and so like we only got the glimpse, a glimpse of like the, the last remnants of the, of the publishing course of the, of, the, of the publishing house. But, um, and we, we had no DC at the time. We had it earlier, and we got it afterwards, and we still have it now. But when I was a kid, it was mostly Marvel Comics. And of course, I would go to the library because I was interested in comics, so I like, would read any comic. Uh, European, French, Italian, uh, American, mostly superheroes. But I, then I found out about DC Comics because they had um, books in my library in, in my hometown. And I was not a very voracious reader. I uh, wouldn't give up. Like, I would read all of them. So it's, um, but again, like, the most comics that I could find for superheroes were Marvel Comics. So I grew up reading mostly Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, all of them, basically. And... Um, I have no, you know, complete collections because, like, every week my, my family allowed me to buy a comic per week. So I, I could choose, but, you know, every comic there was, like, a, a comic that I would love. And, you know, so there, there's no complete collections that I have because, like, a week was Spider-Man and the other week was Fantastic Four and then it was Thor and then it was Iron Man and Daredevil. So, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Growing up, I, I, I would go, there was a corner store... Uh, across the street from uh, the, the church that I would go to with my with my father, and he would you know give me give me every week a dollar. And after you know, I guess the mm-hmm. comic was my prize for for sitting through church for an hour. And it was you know, let's go to the, <laughs> let's go to the candy store. He'd pick up a newspaper, and I would I would you know get get whatever comic I can get for a dollar off the spinner rack. And if there was a special edition you know comic that was more than a dollar, I'd have to uh, you know see if he throw me the extra 50 cents or so <laughs> to, 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 to make up for it. Um, so, so who were some of your artistic influences, uh, you know, when, when you were kind of honing your craft? Well, when, when, I, was, uh, when I was a kid, uh, I told, like, I basically read everything and, and also a lot, watched a lot of cartoons, like Japanese cartoons. So, like, I, get, I guess that it's a little bit of everything. Um, like from Hugo Pratt to Mabius talking about comic creators from, from Europe. And then later on, like Japanese artists too. But like when I was really, when I was a kid, like the, you know, I was mostly into, into the classics, you know, like, um, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, Joe Romita Jr. Uh, Joe Romita Sr. Uh, Gene Colan was like great. I was a great fan, big fan of, of, uh, of Gene Colan, George Tasca, you know, then, but then again, wave after wave when they started, you know, publishing again comics in Italy. Then I found out about John Byrne and, and I loved it. Mike Golden, you know, Barry Winston Smith, you know, all of them, all of them. And uh, then, but probably the, the biggest influences I had, like when I was a kid and, you know, wasn't really, I've always been drawing, but at the time I wasn't really following any, any curse or, or career about comic. It was just like drawing, but I think it, Frank Miller and uh, and Jim Lee were my my biggest influences. Well, were probably the the two artists that mostly shaped my my style. What he, what is now my style? 
Frank Miller, when I found out about Dark Knight Returns, like that completely, you know, revolutionized the way I was looking at comics. And of course, there were Watchmen and Before Vendetta, and it was like about that time when, when I found out about those comics. It was the early 90s, I think, in Italy. Got it a little bit later than, than you, but, uh, um, but Dark Knight, <clears throat> there was no way back from there. You know, like um, that, that nasty, you know, depiction of, of Bruce Wayne, an old greedy, grim and greedy, right? But um, there was a force, a power in, in those drawings that I, and I kind of paired that with, with uh, Hugo Pratt and, uh, and, and Jim Lee's, you know, another force of nature, you know, like uh, the details and the, the anatomy and, uh, and the action and everything. So it's a blend. And, you know, like, I, I keep on evolving. Like, my style is, is always, like, uh, evolving. I'm, I'm now, you know, uh, I've been working for, for the American market since the end of 2000, and it's quite a few years. But uh, I still feel like I'm constantly changing. You know, like, uh, I see a new artist that I like, and, and maybe some, something inadvertently influences what I do, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would say that, it, those guys were probably well, all of them, but but probably those two guys were the ones that that influenced me the most. So, uh, you know, I was going to ask you this a little later in the conversation, but uh, I'll, I'll jump right to it. You know, you mentioned Frank Miller, and of course, a lot of um, your um, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man work was inked by Klaus Janssen, who of course worked with Frank. And that, led, so, what was that like for you? I mean, that kind of had to be like that had to be crazy for you, right? To be inked by Klaus. it was it was a dream come true, like. Um, it was like um, probably a couple of years that I had tried to get Klaus in, in something of mine, like even a cover or anything, because I'm a big fan of his work, both as an artist, as an inker. And um, and when Steve Wecker, at the time, the editor of Spider-Man, offered me to, to jump on Spider-Man, I was a little unsure about it, because like, um, I had done so many sketches of Spider-Man at, at shows that I was like afraid that, you know, I was fed up with the character, like too many webs, too many, you know, details to draw and too many skyscrapers. But uh, I asked him if I could get Klaus Jensen to ink my pages and, and he made it happen. And that made me, you know, first of all, very confident that if I would screw up anything, you would be able to, you know, fix it, you know, because <laughs> he's a master. And, and secondly, like, I'm very happy to, to get to get the chance to work with Klaus and uh, and that that's when uh, when I got that email when, when Steve told me that that Klaus was interested and was doing it um, he forced me to you know forced me <laughs> to to recognize that he was my favorite editor ever you know and it was true because like he made it happen you know I'm very grateful for that and uh, and then I met Klaus and you know it's um, magical this is one of those things that and actually there there's many other things about like that but uh, that, that makes our job like so magical, you know, cause like, I guess that every one of us grew up as a reader. And if we have the chance of becoming creators, professional creators, you know, that, that there's always like something like even meeting someone that, that, that would fulfill, you know, something they would never dreamed of when you were a kid and, and working with Klaus has been one of those highlights that I, you know, definitely, that definitely has a special place in my heart. Yeah, no, I mean that. Like the second you said Frank Miller, I was like, oh, he, he, you must have just been beyond, you know, just so excited about that. I mean, and, and, and Klaus is obviously such a, such an icon, um, and, and really defined a lot of what Frank Miller's artwork looked like. Um, just to just to jump time a little bit. Um, now, I I believe the first Spider-Man story that you uh, 
Illustrated was um, a Tangled Web issue with uh, Brian Azzarello. Is that sound about right? And it's called Web. Yeah. yeah, correct. Thank- a Tangled Web issue, and and I, if if memory serves, in that issue was kind of a spotlight on Crusher Hogan, the the wrestler who, yeah. uh, who and. So, I mean, that was kind of, you know, that story kind of served as a prequel to, you know, obviously Amazing Fantasy 15. So for that to be your first Spider-Man story to kind of, you know, do a story that that spun off, obviously, one of the most famous comic book stories of all time. I mean, what was that like for you? I mean, was that just kind of, I mean, how did that come about? Was that, were you just kind of asked to to jump on on the story? I mean, was this, just explain that to me, because that had to be pretty cool to have that be your first story. Yeah, it was, was my first work at Marvel, actually. Um, Axel Alonso was the editor of the book at the time, and he contacted me because uh, I had just done uh, my first two issues of Hellblazer with Brian Azzarello for Vertigo, and he liked those. And so Brian had a story for Tangleweb, and so like uh, Axel called me to, to ask me if I was you know interested in doing it. And of course I was interested because like, I started over at DC, but then again, like this was another dream come true, like, doing something for Marvel. So even if it was just one issue, I would have, you know, done something for Marvel. And it's, uh, it's a great story. I think it's one of the, the most intense and, and, and uh, emotional stories I've worked with. Uh, with Brian, like, uh, every time we talk about it, we still talk about that like one of our favorite stories. But, uh, and, of course, like, looking back at the drawings now, they don't look so good to me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, like, more than 10 years ago. But, um it was an honor to to be part of that story because it's, it's a great story. Like uh, it's like a, a whole new point of view on 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 Crusher Hogan. You know, like uh, he's always been seen like like the villain, like you know, like the bad guy. Like, uh, but that story completely revolutionizes what the, the way you look at him. And I think it's uh, what Brian is genius. So I think he really he really did himself with, with that story. So um, that that's another thing that, that that has a special place in my in my heart too, and it was fun though because um, uh, Spider-Man doesn't appear, but in the last page and with no costume. So you know, like everyone was you know making fun of me because like yeah yeah of course you're drawing Spider-Man, but then you you didn't in the end, and of course I didn't. But I you know after that book like I, I was invited by so many shows over the world, and I remember that everybody was asking me Spider-Man. And that's why, you know, like I, I got kind of like <laughs> uh, fed up with drawing Spider-Man, you know, because like so many ways I was like, man, like, is it possible to do that on a regular monthly book? <laughs> and of course it is. Like, and actually uh, in 2011, when I started actually working on, on, the, on the amazing Spider-Man title with Dan, I would have never thought that I would still be here now after three years and a half, you know, and still having fun and having lots of fun with it. Like, uh, I probably say, well, of course, uh, I'm going to take the chance and work on Spider-Man, but maybe it's, I don't know, it's going to last. Maybe they're, they're just going to have me on the book for a couple of issues or, or more. But no, no, in, actually, on the other hand, it's um, it's been a fantastic ride and I hope it doesn't stop because I'm having fun and, and I love what Dan does. So, you know, like, this is definitely a thrilling ride for me. You're talking about revolutionary yeah. stories. Um, you know, the whole superior concept was just so unique and different and controversial to some degree, too. Um, so when you found out that you were going to be on the rotation for that book with Umberto Ramos and Ryan Stegman, I mean, first of all, you know, what did that mean to you to be on the rotation? But also, what did you think of the superior concept when the, the, the whole thing was pitched to you? 
<laughs> it's it's funny. Um, I, I I actually got no clue that that was happening until I got that email, you know, talking about what was going to happen. And I thought, well, this is crazy. But of course, like I would trust my editor and I trust Dan because, like, um, I really love what 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 he does. And I I told you immediately since the very first script that 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 working on those stories made me remember or like reminded me of the of the golden age stories that I read, like the the Lee Ditko, the Lee Romita, you know, the golden age of comics when when I got so you know into it. And and so like I had total faith in, in the man, like. Uh, as, as crazy as it might sound at the time, I thought, well, I, I want to give it a try. And it was already interesting to me, the fact that it would be like a darker Spider-Man, because I'm, I'm usually more into dark characters, you know, like Dark Knight and Wolverine and Batman and everything. But uh, uh, I thought that the, 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 the chance of playing with, with Peter and, uh, and the fact that it would be a little bit more extreme, a little bit more, you know, free to do whatever he wanted to do, totally, basically. Uh, that that made me think that there were chances of like that becoming something very interesting and very different from what has been done, from what had been done before, and, and, and it was like that. And um, I'm happy, you know, I'm like totally like since since the the very beginning of Superior, like we've been to shows and like there's so many people that 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 came to us. Like I've been to a show with Dan and and, and other fans and everything, but uh, they they came to us and told us that they began reading comics with that book. And that's always like a positive sign to me. Like uh, even like a single reader, a single new reader that, that jumps in for the industry, if it's, if it's your doing, I think it's a blessing because it might end up like reading comics forever. I mean, that's what happened to me. And, um, and it was a fun ride. It was, it was great. It was actually uh, very interesting. Like uh, I would like, and I would never, no, I would never even dreamed of, uh, of like working on the final chapter on Goblin Nation. You know, it didn't. I didn't even know how how many issues would that last. You know, like, uh, and that that's also you know one of the closest things that that is to read comics to me nowadays. Because like I've been working so much that it's it's really hard to enjoy comics. So not knowing exactly what goes on the next issues is is kind of like a guilty pleasure to me. So it was good to be along on the ride, and it was it was it's good that, that it was always been like a, a book that uh, that had great critiques and great reviews and and uh, and sold really well. So it's it's a it's a it's a round that I'm very proud of. I have to ask you with with Goblin Nation. I mean, what was it like to find out you you were doing a Green Goblin story? Because that's got to be like if you're if you you know if you are even somewhat a fan of Spider Man. I mean, to be doing a Green Goblin story has got to be the best thing ever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, um, like, like totally, uh, totally unexpected. And um, on the other hand, like, uh, so cool. And Green Goblin, one of my favorite villains. But so the thing is that you do Goblin Nation and then you think, well, you know, what else can that be? And then you get like uh, Spider-Verse, you know? So that's the, the thing with Dan and, and Nick Lowe, the editor, and, and then the whole Marvel team on Spider-Man, it's that, and, and Spider-Man also has like a cast of villains that that's one of the best together with, with Batman, I think. And uh, so like Goblin was, the Green Goblin has always been like one of my favorite villains. But then there are so many and, and you can do so many cool things with the right story with, with that cast that, you know, like um, it felt great. But at the same time, I was like, give me some more. Like I, I can't wait to, to hear what's what's up next. And then we got Spider-Verse, which is something totally epic, uh, which I'm working on. That uh, it's, 
one one of the, the the most epic things ever. So super super cool and super happy with it. Yeah, I mean, how much how much research have you had to do for Spider Verse with all these alternative Spider Men from different countries and universes and and all of this? I mean, you know, is is, is that's got to be tough. You know, I mean, especially those two superior prologue issues you did, where I mean, there was like ten different guys on some pages, you know, from all over. So. Well, that that was nothing compared. That was nothing compared to what I'm doing now. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, it's not as much as the research because the office is like sending references and everything. It's about trying to, you know, to be loyal to every single one of them because they're all different, you know. And sometimes, you know, there are so many on the page that um, not only you have to try to to make them look unique, you know, because Spider-Ham is different than Spider-Man India and everything, not, not only because of the way they look, but also because of the, the way, you know, they act and talk and the body moves and everything. But, yeah, the most difficult thing is, like, being, you know, paying attention to details, you know, and and trying to make everything work on the page. But, you know, it's it's kind of like terrifying when you when you have to start a page. But once the page is done, it's beautiful. So, you know, it rewards you of the all the artwork, basically. Um, what's it like process-wise working with um, someone like Dan Slot? Because you know, I talked to Umberto Ramos uh, a while ago, and you know, he kind of talked how. You know, Dan, you know, he just has these 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 huge ideas, um, and you know, which could make for these very, you know, complex images in the comic. You know, lots of action, lots of characters. Obviously, you're you're experiencing that with Spider Verse. So, I mean, what's the process like with Dan? I mean, how much back and forth is there? Uh, does he just deliver you the script and tell you to do what you can, or does he? How does he plot it for you? I'm just curious what the what dance processes with his artists yeah yeah well first of all dance is unstoppable he keeps on having ideas and like if you talk to him like it really keeps on like flowing like ideas like very good ideas one after the other it's unbelievable it's unbelievable and um but oh and he's one of the few writers from what i know from what i've been told that works the stanley way you know like uh so not from a full script but usually send sends the plot, which is already divided in pages and, and panels most of the times. And then he has the, dial- the dialogues later after seeing the page. So, you know, depending on the scene in the book on depending on, on, on the time, like you could have like a very detailed script anyway, only the dialogue is missing. Or you could have like, um, especially for the action scene, something which is loser. And then it's basically up to me, you know, because like he, has, he and the editor have confidence in me to to be able to to make it, and well, and it's not so so difficult. I mean, there's not so much back and forth. Just like basically getting the script done, like turning pages in, and if there's anything to change, you know, like I'll change it. But most of the times, like um, you know, luckily enough, I nail everything down. So you know, it's uh, it's pretty easy. Uh, in the very beginning, it was a little bit you know uh, slower as a process because like I wanted to, to turn in layouts first. So that, uh, you know, they would, you know, pay attention to the fact, you know, like make sure that I would leave enough space for dialogues and everything. But now in the end, like, you know, I'm just like skipping the process now and mostly turning in like pencils directly. And uh, even if I have to redo something, I redo it. But uh, it's been like three years and a half not done working with Dan. And so I think that we're in that, that, that phase in which. There, there's a good chemistry between us, and so like it's it's very hard to you know to do things that are not like uh, good you know in one direction or the other. 
At least that's what I think. How has how working with Dan allowed you to kind of uh, evolve as an artist? Because, I mean, I think I mentioned this earlier. Um, you know, within, like, kind of the Spider-Man fan community, I know a lot of people really started taking notice of you during Goblin Nation. I mean, there was just a lot of really cool layouts and designs uh, throughout those issues. And, and you know, it just, I mean, from someone who's who's been following you for a while, it just seemed like there was an evolution. And, I mean, was that just something that just comes naturally with time? Or do you think, you know, kind of having these big stories to work with Dan is kind of, pushed you a little bit harder? I mean, what, 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 what do you owe up to that? Well, pro- probably all of it. It's, it's, it's really hard to, to say from, from my point of view, you know, if there's an evolution or not. Well, maybe you can, you can see it afterwards, but not while you're doing it. I was totally aware of the fact that it was like an epic story and epic and, and action and, and grim and greedy. And th- th- those are the things that, that made me excited. I'm usually trying to, to, you know, to do my best with every page and every story, but uh, it's maybe something that, that kicks in and without noticing. It's, it's not like a very conscious process, you know, like evolving. Otherwise, you would do it sooner, I think. But, uh, no, um, I was noticing the same thing, like reading reviews and everything. And I'm looking back at the pages. Yeah, uh, I think there's been an evolution and uh, I really can't say what happened. But I think it has something to do with the fact that the scope of the story was pretty big and epic. And, uh, and especially, you know, not only the big action scenes, but also like uh, the most intense moment, you know, like, when, like when, when Otto gives up, you know, and Peter is back. You know, those kinds of moments, you know, together with all the build-up and the city in flames and, and, and the goblins and everything. It all, you know, merged together to, to become something, you know, probably, you know, unique. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I can hardly, you know, uh, remember, like, paying attention to that. I was just, like, trying to, you know, meet my deadlines and, and, and do a kick job as much as possible. And as always, you know, so there was nothing different from my usual approach. It was maybe something natural that, that kicked in, you know, without me realizing it. That's at least that's what I think. Hey, no, I, it's no. whatever works because it's been it's, <laughs> it's been awesome and it's been, it's continue to be awesome. Um, one of the things that um, we've noticed just in terms of how you lay out the pages and we, you know we don't see this a lot in comics is you like to use like a lot of like vertical um, slices and how you 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 break up the panels. I mean, is that do you get that idea from anywhere or is this just something you thought you try and you've kind of run with? Well, um, I've been doing those since the very beginning. I started out professionally in Italy in '97 with a self-publishing book, a self-published book called Bonerest that was later on translated in, in America by Image. But um, I think I got that from Chris Bacello, Bacalo. We we say Bacalo in Italy, but Chris Bacello. I have been, always been a big fan of his work since the Vertigo days, and I think he was the first one, if I remember well, that I saw like doing that kind of layout. And I always thought it was, like, very cool and very different. And, of course, it's not an layout that you can apply to every page. But usually when I, when I read a script and I see that there's a right amount of, of panels, usually it has to be three to five, you know, nothing more than that. Sometimes you can do it. but And uh, if it works, like, uh, there's something that clicks and I'm trying to, you know, visualize that panels, you know, in that kind of layout and grid. And if it works, I usually do it. I try not to overabuse it, of course, because it's not something that you can do in every issue or 
or uh, so often. But uh, if it works, I think it gives like uh, the page something pretty different from the others. So, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I got that from Chris Pacello. So it's nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's still it's still pretty unique. It's not used a lot, even if even if you got it from somewhere else. Um, so, do do you have like a kind of a set group of Spider-Man characters that you just really love, or or the opposite, don't like drawing. You know, it's funny. We talked to Mark Bagley a while ago, and you know, this is the guy who created Carnage. And you know, when we asked him this question, he said, "I hate drawing Carnage. He's impossible to draw, and it's too much red." <laughs> so I'm just curious: is there anyone that you love or don't love uh, illustrating that you that you've done or wish to do? It's funny. Like uh, I, I think I drew my first Carnage sketch here in Argentina, like this this past weekend, and, uh, and it was cool actually. Uh, well, maybe it's because it was only one. I don't know. Uh, no, there, there's nothing you know per- that particularly stands out in in something that I like or don't like in, in terms of like the cast. But uh, yeah, I definitely have some favorites. Like Venom is always cool to draw, and uh, and uh, J. Jonah Jameson is another favorite of mine. Uh, Mary Jane and you know the Vulture, uh, Hammerhead, you know. There's so many, you know, like I said before, so many cool characters, even like both visually and, and, and you know, like story-wise that, that there's, it always feels like a blessing, you know, as a, as, a, as, as a fan, you know, to be able to draw even a single panel with that, you know, so um, the, the, for sure there's, there's no character that I hate drawing. And actually... The, the the cool thing would be you know being able in the future to to draw as many as possible you know I can't you know I I can't remember if I drew I, I'm I'm not I'm not sh- I'm pretty sure that I didn't draw even even but a, but a glimpse of of the whole cast but it would be cool to to get to draw a, a lot you know of of the Spider-Man cast yeah I mean and one thing we we've noticed um, is when you draw women you have like you really do a good job of like bringing out a variety of different, you know, body types and, and features and that and whatnot when you draw women. I mean, is this a conscious thing that you do to kind of distinguish all the women from each other? I mean, because you know, this is obviously something that a lot of people are paying increasingly attention to in the industry. So I'm just curious what your you know what your process is with that. Um, the, again, there's nothing so you know uh, so. Uh, um, difficult, you know. It's it's not something that I. But, yeah, it's uh, it's something. It's probably something that uh, I I, um, I do very very easily and, and very naturally. So, um, it, it's a thank thank you for saying that. I mean, I'm I'm happy to you know to to learn that. But uh, it's um, I, I try to to pay attention to details and that's it. But. Um, yeah, it's uh, I I try to you know you know women are are. are Maybe more difficult, you know, to to draw than men because like usually uh, male artists have a hard time drawing women and the other way around. But um, you know, after a while, I think it's um, it's you pay just a little more uh, extra time in, in that, and, and it's fine. Cool. Well, well, Giuseppe, we're gonna we're gonna wrap with uh, a final question here that we 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 like to ask creators when they come on the show. It's a big catch-all question. So, what what does it mean to you to be a Spider-Man artist? Ah, well, uh, I, I think I could sum it up with, with something like uh, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> well, I like to, to think of that. It's, it's something 
you know, unique. Uh, like I read once uh, something that Stanley wrote about, like being, you know, a Spider-Man artist is one of the toughest thing ever, you know. And well, I, I try not to think too much about that, but about the fact that I'm blessed and, and happy and lucky to be able to do it. So, but yeah, I, I I realized because he's such an iconic character and everybody knows it all over the world that it's it's really important to to do the, a good job with it. So that's why you know it takes great responsibility to to be a Spider-Man artist. But I mean, so far so good. <laughs> Well, definitely. Well, well, Giuseppe, thank you again so much for, for, for taking a few minutes out to talk to us. Uh, thank you, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Special thanks again to Giuseppe Comancoli for coming on our show. Uh, it really meant a tremendous amount of us for you to come on, and, and you know we're glad to give you this interview. Uh, if you like Amazing Spider Talk, of course, you can uh, rate and review our show uh, either on iTunes or on Stitcher. Just search on uh, Amazing Spider Talk or on Spider-Man. will come up pretty quickly. Uh, and when you're there... Give us a rating, review us, leave us some feedback, good or bad. We'll read it on the air. We like it when it's good, though, of course. Uh, and then if you have any questions you want to ask us or just want to give us feedback on the show, you can also email us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com. So this is Mark Chinacchio. You, of course, can find me at www.ChasingAmazingBlog.com or on Twitter at ChasingASMBlog. You can also find some of my comic book writing on ComicBook.com and comics should be good and you know we don't have uh dan here again today but you know we'll, we'll still stick with the usual sign off which is with great podcasts there must also come amazing spider talk <laughs>